you know, the vast majority of the people in the world view a barrier as a barrier. And an entrepreneur views that as an invitation to greatness. Welcome, closers. Today we have another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast coming at you. This is season three on profit. I'm your host, Jordan Wayla, and every week I interview world-class property management entrepreneurs and industry experts who share actionable insights to help you grow your property management empire. Whether you manage 100 units or 1,000, this broadcast is designed to help you see the big picture and give you the tools and tactics that you need to get to the next level. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Today, I am talking with Mike Payton. Peyton helps lead over 200 EOS implementers and has conducted more than a thousand full-day EOS sessions with leadership teams of more than a hundred entrepreneurial companies. He spent a lifetime learning from entrepreneurs and spends all of his time as an author, award-winning speaker, certified EOS implementer, and the visionary of EOS worldwide. Specifically, Peyton helps entrepreneurs clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision by mastering some simple concepts that we're going to go over today. Peyton, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me. So right out of the gate, I just want to unpack the mystery for those that don't know. I'd say my audience is about half and half, but what is EOS? So EOS is an acronym that stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And at its core, it's just a simple way of running an entrepreneurial company that helps people get clear and aligned around what they're trying to accomplish, where they're going and how they plan to get there, instill focus, discipline, and accountability throughout the organization. That's what we call traction and create a more healthy, cohesive, functional team of people all working together to achieve that vision rather than the headstrong but talented individual leaders that so often develop inside an entrepreneurial company. Where does it come from? What's the background history on Yeah, so this is a system built by a lifelong entrepreneur by the name of Gino Wickman, who saw sort of a void in the marketplace for development programs built specifically for the people who own and run entrepreneurial companies. When he was running his own family business almost 20 years ago, and he started looking around for tools or techniques or learning opportunities... What he found was a bunch of stuff made for leaders in corporate America and not a lot of stuff that that sort of acknowledged the vast difference between the way a big organization operates and feels and the way an entrepreneurial company operates and feels. So he started cobbling together what we now refer to as EOS and using it as his own business, eventually discovered that he loved helping other entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses and... Uh, Spent about five years refining and perfecting the system and the complete set of simple practical tools that we teach today and called it EOS and and built a business around it that I'm now uh, very fortunate and honored to be running. 
So when we talk about the before and after story, what does the before look like? Can you just describe the average business in its state prior to interacting and embracing EOS? Yeah. So, you know, most people who own and run entrepreneurial companies, if they're, if you shoot them full of truth serum and ask, are you getting everything you want from your business? Would answer no. And they would describe a, a, a sense of imbalance that seems to be common amongst the people who own and run small businesses where they invest a lot more time, money, energy, and wellness than what they're getting in terms of those ingredients in return. And so we call that symptomatic of the five frustrations common to entrepreneurs. And so they are people. So most entrepreneurs are frustrated with their with their people, that, and not just their employees, but their fellow leadership team members, sometimes their partners, their vendors, their customers, or, or for your listeners, their, their residents or tenants. You know, nobody seems to get it or want it or care as much as the entrepreneur does. The second frustration is, is what we call lack of control, a feeling that the business is running you rather than the other way around. The third is a lack of profit, you know, you're not making as much money as you think you ought to be making, given how all-consuming the business can be to you sometimes. Uh, the fourth is this concept of hitting the ceiling of you're growing. A lot of entrepreneurs will say, you know, for the first X number of years, usually the numbers between two and 10, it all felt even a little bit too easy. We were growing, we were making money, we were having fun. And then all of a sudden, wham, I just hit the ceiling and I can't figure out why I'm stuck, but I'm stuck. And then the fifth frustration is what we call nothing's working. So you're trying lots of things, you're reading books, you're listening to podcasts, and you're trying to influence the way your company operates, but you can't find something that, that really works. And so, the, so those are common feelings or perceptions or operating principles for a, a small business that's stuck. And what EOS helps owners and leaders do is get unstuck and break through the ceiling. Yeah, man, sounds great. So what I love about EOS is that it's geared toward a very unique type of human being. Entrepreneurs have a, a really different perspective on the world. And in many ways, it makes the world go around. What is unique about entrepreneurs from your perspective? If you think about the persona and the set of beliefs and mindsets that, that this whole program is geared towards. Yeah. The phrase that I've been monkeying around with for the last couple of months, because I get asked that question a lot, is, you know, the vast majority of the people in the world view a barrier as a barrier. And an entrepreneur views that as an invitation to greatness. <laughs> a hurdle. I'll show you. You know, you want to motivate an entrepreneur, tell him or her, we can't do something. So that's one of them, resourceful, nimble, flexible, aware you need to create something of value before you ask anything in return. Sort of a profound sense of ownership of one's station in life. Like I'm going to go change whatever I don't like rather than looking around at other people waiting for them to change something. So those are some words I'd, and phrases I'd use to describe entrepreneurs. And you know, you can tell I get excited talking about it because those are the people I like to be surrounded with. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the building blocks of, of the EOS program is around 
vision. And that's what I think about when I think of what is unique to entrepreneurs is that there is a perception and a belief about something that is not yet realized. It's tangible, it's palpable, and entrepreneurs are willing to commit and see what others cannot. However, there is a difference between having a gut feel and having a quantifiable vision that can be described in more concrete terms, rally a team around, etc. Talk to me about the vision component of EOS. Yeah, and I, I would put a wrapper in our whole conversation before I go into depth about vision, because you know what I would also say about visionaries and, and entrepreneurs is that they are builders, but when your business reaches a certain scale, and for some it's the second employee, you're the first. And for others, it's the 102nd employee. You know, some people are great at building all the way up to an organization full of 100 people. But, but all of us at some point reach the point where we're, what our business needs is primarily running a going concern and not building and challenging the status quo. And it is that transition where EOS gives an entrepreneur a framework for making that transition without feeling like you need to sell the company or go on vacation for the rest of your career because those people are doing all that boring work of running a going concern. What I love the most about EOS is it's a framework for tapping into your unique ability. That's a Dan Sullivan term. I always want to give credit to Dan. But tapping into your unique ability as an entrepreneur, what you love to do and are best at, and playing that role every day in your business and trusting other people around you who share your vision to do the stuff that you don't like to do. When we segue then into talking about the vision component, the framework here is that we believe that great companies, truly great organizations are strong in six key components that every business has. It's just a question of how weak or strong you are in each of them. And vision is one of them. And vision is just getting everybody, first at the leadership team level, 100% on the same page with where the company's going and how you plan to get there. And that's what you're talking about, where as the visionary, you need to make it clear, simple, and understandable so the people around you can look at it, understand it, and make a decision about whether or not they want to be a part of it. Because... What we don't believe in is trying to convince or strong arm or sell everybody into believing in your vision. What we see in an entrepreneurial company is very few have no vision, if any. Most of them have too much vision. Everybody has a slightly different view of where we're going, how we plan to get there, who's going to do what. And so what we're trying to do when we strengthen the vision component is just eliminate everything except one vision everybody in the organization can sign up for, believe in, and go make happen. Without having to read anybody's mind. I've heard it said that in the absence of communication, nothing good happens. Nobody thinks charitable, generous, optimistic thoughts in the absence of communication, right? The exact opposite happens. We tend to have concerns that there's a lack of planning or bad things are going to happen. Backing up to what you said, prior. Have you heard Dan Sullivan use the talk about the joy of procrastination? Oh, for sure. I'm a strategic coach, student 10x class member myself. And so like all of my fellow class members, we all think he made these things up just for us. <laughs> and that's one of them that I think he made up just for me. So, <laughs> so I, 
a big Dan Sullivan fan. And that one really speaks to me on the level of, I feel like there are some business guilt trips around thinking that as the company grows, you have to do everything well. If you're not into numbers and you don't have that CFO bias, then you're a bad entrepreneur. You really should be able to, to do that, manage people, when in reality, unique ability frees you up to recognize that you're good at a small subset of things. And as an entrepreneur and as the top dog, your job is to figure out how to stay in that lane. That's what's motivating to me about this model. The model collectively is around building the infrastructure that allows you to get back to doing what you love which for, for me, for example, as an entrepreneur, starting new businesses is just fun. Biz dev is inherently a really attractive thing to do. But if there's nobody manning the ship, managing the going concern, it becomes a massive liability and distraction. Let's talk about the people conversation. When we think about managing, and you mentioned it could be your second employee or your 102nd employee, everybody eventually gets to, let's call it the Peter principle, right? You realize that you're now at the point where things aren't working on gut feel. Intuition is no longer enough. What is the EOS perspective on, on team building and building that leadership structure that, that will take you for the long haul? Yeah, and I, and I will inject all six of the components here just for a second, just so your listeners kind of can get a roadmap they can follow along with. So when we talk about the six key components, it's the vision component, the people component, the data component, issues component, process component, and traction component. And what we believe is if you can run a business that's 80% strong or better in all six of those components, we're always striving for 100%, knowing that's utopia, we're never going to get there. But that 80% strong in all six is a truly great business. And that's what we're looking for. And so you're bringing your listeners to the second key component, people, you know, once your vision is crystal clear, what we say about this is you can't achieve a great vision without great people. And our philosophy is that we as entrepreneurs need to take more time to define what the unique definition of a great person is in our organization, because there is no stock definition out there that we can all sign up for. In working with clients as they journey through the EOS process, we spend a lot of time early on really defining what a right person, someone who shares your core values in the right seat, somebody who's really good at an absolutely necessary job in your organization. What does that really mean in our organization? And then we give our clients a set of simple practical tools designed to facilitate comfortable, open and honest conversations around how people are doing with those two things. So that if somebody's great at their job, but driving you crazy, you can actually sit down with them and say, hey, we've got these five core values, Jordan. And while you're real good at your job, you're, you're gapping a little bit in these areas and, and you can coach them up and ultimately coach them out and, and surround yourself exclusively with great people who share your core values, fit your culture, and are great at their job. That's our approach. Peyton, what do you hear when you hear entrepreneurs gripe about their people? That has to be one of the most emotionally charged complaints that comes across. I mean, I'm thinking of some just broad brush blanket statements I've heard within the last 30 days. One was that, to paraphrase, pe people are garbage. Just universally, people are garbage, and what can you do? Or another one was, 
this was an entrepreneur that had expanded to a new state on the other side of the country and was, you know, it's just tough to find good people in such and such a state. These are, these are pretty broad generalizations. Like, what do you pick up when you hear that? And, and here's what's important. I mean, people are frustrated. People are people. There are humans everywhere. And there are definitely some cultural differences from one region or country to another. But it's my fundamental belief that nobody wants a job where they come to work doing subpar work and hoping nobody ever finds out. Most people that I encounter want to do great work and get paid fairly, or maybe even a little bit more than fairly, if you're really cynical than that. But there's the vast majority of people out there just want to know what a great job looks like. And given the opportunity, will work their butts off to go do that. And some will fail because they lack the skills. Like I'd love to be a NBA basketball player, but there are numerous deficiencies of attitude and skill that would make it impossible for me to go do that. But the vast majority of people really do want to be champions in their organization. And I believe good leaders and managers give people that opportunity. But what I hear about is all the stuff you're talking about, all of these kids today. What are they teaching them in school? I hear people complaining about the sense of entitlement. And those things are situationally true in every generation on the planet. There are people who are entitled and there are people who are accountable and driven to be champions. And I'm talking to as many compellingly bright, hardworking young people as I am talking to compellingly bright, hardworking 50 or 60 year olds. Our job as leaders is to create a culture and a sense of clarity about what we're trying to accomplish where the people who want to be champions want to join your team and the people who don't want to be champions want to go work for your competition. That's what we're teaching our entrepreneurs to do, not create a system in which we can turn people who don't want to work hard and don't care very much into people who magically do. Nobody can do that legally. <laughs> sure. So the way I think about it is that for me as an entrepreneur, maturity and success has looked like getting in line with the customer in the same way. There's also getting in line with what's best for your employees. Your staff will pick up on your intention. And so if your intention is purely to make them a means to an end, a cog in the wheel, slot them in, don't think about it again, they will they'll pick up on that. In your mind, from a staff member's perspective, how would you expect a staff member to articulate what is available to them within an organization that has EOS in place? Yeah, it goes back to the vision component. So when, you, when we talked about making your vision component stronger, what I do is I get in the room with the leadership team and I ask them eight questions that clarify and simplify what the company's vision is. And I'll ask question number one, and then I'll refuse to move forward to question number two until the team agrees to the answer word for word to question number one. Okay, now we're done with question number one. Now let's go answer question number two. Because the first thing employees of a company running purely on EOS notice is that when there's a leadership team of five people and I ask one of them what our core values are, what our core focus is, where we're going to be 10 years from now and how we plan to get there, I'm going to get the same general answer that I get from that one than I do the other four. And in a lot of organizations, that's not the way it works. You just go ask your 
various members of your leadership team the question you want an answer to until you hear an answer you like, and then you go do it that way. And so we eliminate that dissonance by strengthening the vision component. And then we just ask the leadership team, hey, how about if every quarter you stand up as a unified front and share with every employee in this organization what the company's vision is so they know where we're going, how we plan to get there, how we're progressing on our journey, and you engage them in a conversation, answer their questions, accept their pushback, et cetera. That's what people notice in a well-run EOS company is that they're part of the art and science of creating clarity and a mission-driven organization because there's a purpose here. And it's exciting to people who want to do something special. You talked previously about the notion of people want to do a good job. It's, it's intrinsic to us that when we're at our best, when we're unencumbered by ego, et cetera, we, we generally speaking want to achieve, perform, have a communal sense of belonging and a goal that we're working towards. Can you talk to me about the, the cadence, the meeting structure that draws people to stay on track towards these goals? Yeah. And so now we're getting into the data issues and traction components. And so the other stuff we're building in an EOS company is we're asking the leadership team to create a company scorecard that they look at every week to determine whether they're on track to achieve their longer term objectives, like hitting sales numbers, achieving profitability goals, satisfying the customer consistently. We call that a leadership team scorecard or a company scorecard that includes five to 15 leading indicators. These are activities-based numbers that predict the results we're going to get next month and next quarter. And we ask our leadership teams to obsess about keeping those scorecard numbers on track. So if you were coaching a you know, professional football team, might be scoring how people do in practice every day as a leading indicator of how the team might perform in the game on Sunday, to give you an example. By obsessing about these predictive indicators that predict future results, we're building focus, discipline, and and accountability on a weekly basis to activities that lead to results. And so you get less highs and lows because If you engage in activities that are proven to get results, you're going to get more consistent results over time. You just have to keep getting better at all that stuff. So that's, and then every week we're asking our leaders to spend 90 minutes in the room with one another, reviewing their scorecard, are our numbers on track, reviewing their priorities for the quarter. We call those rocks, which is a Stephen Covey term that was popularized by Vern Harnish to describe business priorities. And in an EOS company, rocks create what we call a 90-day world for the organization where we're all clear on our priorities. And so every week we ask our leaders to say out loud, Jordan, you had three priorities this quarter. Is priority number one on track or off track? And it builds a little personal accountability to manage your priorities with a high level of importance throughout the entire quarter. So that drives focus and discipline. And then we also ask every week, are our customers and employees happy? And we ask leaders and managers to identify when maybe that's not the case or great examples of when we're doing something really well. 
so we can solve issues and replicate those behaviors to keep upgrading customer and employee happiness. And then we spend the rest of our 90 minutes together, a full hour doing what great leaders spend time doing, which is prioritizing and resolving issues. Why are our numbers off track? Why are our rocks off track? What do we need to do to get them back on track? That's the meeting pulse you refer to that helps create a cadence for the organization where just it's very difficult not to stay focused on the stuff that's most important to your business and your department, your team, and your life every week. That's EOS in a nutshell. So now we're getting specific enough that some of you listening will, some things may be coming up for you. You may be thinking to yourself, sounds a little complicated. Why would I need to do these meetings? I know what I need to do. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm already so busy. Why would I saddle myself with even more structure, et cetera? How do you you respond to that, Peyton? That's a very common reaction when we're teaching the level 10 meeting in the first session, a full day session with a client. And all I'm going to tell your listeners is that 90 days later, when we're doing session three, the people who are fighting the 90-minute level 10 meeting the hardest are the ones who love it the most because what they've found is that by setting aside 90 minutes to do those things I just described every week, they're literally saving three to six hours a week of wasted time spinning wheels around all the stuff we actually accomplish in the level 10 meeting. It's magic. And the and the great example I like to give is there are a lot of companies out there where all the people in them are super busy. And so when there's a problem that needs to be addressed by multiple people in the organization, these poor souls are trying to solve the problem via email. And when you're doing that in your organization, the email always reads something like this. First of all, you send it to a person, but then you copy almost everybody, right? The whole leadership team or everybody in the organization. And you say something like, I think we've got a problem. Bullet, 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 bullet. I think we ought to do this. Bullet, bullet, bullet. What are your thoughts? Question mark. Send. And... Three weeks later, you haven't solved a darn thing, but you do have a 132-message email chain, and it's consumed a bunch of people's time and ticked a bunch of people off. And you know, all we ask is, email is a great way to share information. It's a lousy way to solve issues. So we believe that if you could just get in a room, spend some sacred issue-solving time every week, you're going to save yourself a heck of a lot more time than you think. That's my answer. I guess the way I would phrase it would be the luxury of disorder runs out proportionate to the level of your ambition. Yeah. And and here's the other thing. that This is a common visionary entrepreneur tendency to believe that we are significantly more approachable than we actually are. Okay. What do you mean, Peyton? I'm totally unassuming. I'm the most laid back, easygoing guy. Yeah, but Jordan, your name is on the sign out front of our building. So like, you know, the the brand new employee that is completely unaware exactly what you want to have done is really not sitting there excited about knocking on your door and saying, hey, Jordan, I need some help from you because I'm clueless here. That doesn't happen. And so the meeting is a safe space for people to get questions answered, issues addressed, raise their hand and have the courage to say, hey, we could be better at something. Our customers aren't real happy here. 
you need to create that safe space for these people or they'll never knock on your door and interrupt you when you look busy. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think we can all relate as entrepreneurs operating off of gut is what is so familiar. That's not transferable. That's a cruel way to manage, right? To expect that somebody is just, just going to be able to intuit. I'm training a new executive assistant kind of going through that, that phase right now. On the one hand, I want him to uptake context and to get to the point where he knows my preferences and can read them between the lines. At the same time, that requires a significant amount of verbal didactic communication. So when we talk about actually getting EOS in place, what's the time frame? How long does this take and what roles are involved? Is it one person driving the ship? Like how do you actually start? First of all, EOS was built for companies with between 10 and 250 people that are privately held. The owners and leaders are growth-oriented, open-minded, more afraid of the status quo than they are of change. So, you know, if that describes a, a listener out there, you know, the step one is learning more about EOS. And the, and the place you can do that is our website, eosworldwide.com. Uh, step two, the easy step two is we have 233 EOS implementers, professional EOS implementers around the world that do nothing but fixate on helping entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses. And so I would really urge your entrepreneurs and their leadership teams. It's usually two to five other people that they rely most on to run the business day to day. And so I'd urge you to consider assembling your leadership team in a room with one of our EOS implementers. And what we do is conduct a 90-minute meeting that make, paints a clear picture for leadership teams of what a company really running on EOS looks and feels like. Because as simple as it is, it isn't for everyone. And we want you to decide on an informed basis whether or not this is for you before you start your journey. Once you decide to start your journey, it's just a series of full-day leadership team meetings that an EOS implementer runs. And on average, our clients spend about 10 days with us over the course of about two years working with an implementer. And then they do something we call graduating, which means we've taught them the 20 tools in the EOS toolbox. We've helped them get their six key components to 80% stronger, better by implementing the system and the tools down into their business, and they're ready to run their business on their own, still relying on EOS as the way they're operating, but without the need to have a professional in the room with their leadership team every quarter when they meet. I want to hear some more about who this may not be for. What is the profile of the person where it's not a fit? You know, number one, you need to favor simplicity over complexity. And so if you just love everything to be complicated and you love it all to be up in your head and it, it makes you feel good to, to have everybody around you sort of relying on you for all the answers, you don't want to run your business on EOS. And a lot of people laugh when I say that, like, who? there's nobody out there like baloney. About half the entrepreneurs out there are, are kind of secretly like that. So number two, you need to want single point accountability for everything important in your business. And you need to be comfortable with the idea of personal accountability yourself because EOS is a driver of accountability, top to bottom, side to side. And that just has to start at the top. 
And so if you're uncomfortable with accountability and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is great. Peyton or a professional EOS implementer can come in here and make everybody else accountable, but you're not willing to put a a mirror up in front of you and own that yourself. You don't want to implement EOS. And then the, the last thing is the EOS Worldwide logo is a light bulb. And for me, what that's always meant is that You know, what an EOS implementer does when he's working or she is working with a leadership team is we shine a light into all the dark nooks and crannies in your business. And when we do that, just like a home inspector looking in your kitchen, we find some cockroaches. And if you'd really rather not know that you have cockroaches or mice in your house, don't don't implement EOS because we're going to shine a light on all that stuff. I've had good friends of mine who are entrepreneurs that I talk to about this and they say, well, you know, I don't want to solve that people issue. That's my cousin. And we go way back and blah. And if that's the way you want to run your business, there's a place for that. Just EOS isn't the thing you ought to go do. With the second concern you brought up, what would you say to the entrepreneur that's earlier in the career and they have little anxiety about being exposed or failing in front of their team by setting a goal that creates the possibility for failure. I don't want to look like a bad leader in front of my team. How would you address that person's concerns? We can be our own worst enemies is what I would say. And and if you want to achieve a great vision, you are going to need to push yourself beyond the current constraints of your own accountability. And so doing that vulnerably with a leadership team that you trust around you that learns to see you as a human, with greatness and flaws is actually one of the most rewarding emotional journeys you can possibly go on. Because when a team cracks the champagne after winning the Super Bowl or the World Series, and they're emotional about their journey, they are not emotional because all the things that worked well, they're emotional because they've been through the pain and the doubt and the grief and the failure that, that makes success so sweet. So open it up a little bit. Let the people around you see that you're a real human being. Be raw, be vulnerable. You'll build a better team and you'll enjoy the journey a lot more in the end. Amen. I love the, the generosity of the organization. You can hire an implementer. I think that's a great route to go, but there's also books. You guys have published some amazing literature for free. Of the folks that I know that have implemented EOS, I'd say it's about half and half. Half have worked with implementers, half have just got the book and just done it themselves. So there's a lot of different ways to skin that cap. But the big thought for me here, Peyton, is this. It's the idea that the system is always working. The system is designed to produce the results it's achieving. So if, in fact, you are discontent with the results that you're currently getting, it may be time. In fact, it probably is time to think about doing something different, whether it's EOS or something else, going pro, embracing accountability. We're talking about a lot of general principles and concepts that are pretty hard to dog. Even if somebody doesn't work with EOS, these are the the universal constituent elements of of success. Before I let you go, I want to ask you the one question that I ask every single guest, and I'm excited to hear your answer. Peyton, in your opinion, are entrepreneurs born or bred? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I believe there's a little nature and a little nurture in entrepreneurship. 
Um, there is a cognitive, we believe in the Colby uh, profiling tool and use it regularly with our clients. Then there is certainly a type, a comfort with risk and uncertainty, uh, willingness to enter the danger, to think conceptually, et cetera, that, that most entrepreneurs need in order to be on that journey and not let it fold them into themselves. So there is a, an instinctive type that makes being an entrepreneur more appealing and less dangerous to your ability to go execute every day. But I also see that people can be trained into and out of entrepreneurial excellence. So a lot of people who might be naturally entrepreneurially inclined that spend 20 years working in a you know, government agency or a big corporation, I see them come out of that background and say, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, so here I go. And they've just been beaten into submission that these are the way we do things around here and they can't be as nimble and flexible. And so I really believe both are true. And, and, and what I would say to your listeners is if you feel that your journey is entrepreneurial, A, I would do some assessments to determine whether or not you've got the hardwiring it takes to be successful. And then B, I'd go out and get help from people who have been on this journey before and take the advice of folks who have A, succeeded, but maybe more importantly, failed because that's what bonds all the professional EOS implementers together. We're all excited just to prevent our clients from making the same stupid mistakes we made over and over leveraging this system. So sorry for the long-winded, non-definitive answer, but I think it's a little of both. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the first one to say that. It's great to get your kind of unique perspective on that question. So to wrap up, if folks have the vision, let's say they go on Amazon right now, they buy a copy of Traction, they read it, they want to take it to the next level. How would someone get in touch with an EOS implementer? It's www.eosworldwide.com and there's a button in the top menu bar called find an implementer. Click there, do a geographic search via zip code or a country that you live in around the world and you'll be able to find a local EOS implementer. And we have a community builder in our organization that exists specifically to help entrepreneurs find the right implementer for them. And that number is there as well. Is the local thing a factor or can I work with somebody in another? Well, I think it works, but we believe it works best to have a local EOS implementer because we do our sessions live in a meeting room together. Um, but there are certainly people doing virtual 90-minute meetings. And so... You know, I'd urge you to find somebody local. And if you can't find somebody local, call uh, Sean Fain, our community builder manager, and she'll help you find somebody who can do a remote meeting. All right. We'll link it up in the show notes. Hey, Peyton, thanks again for, for coming on. Next time you're in Austin, let's break bread. Uh, sounds like a plan. Thanks, Jordan. Enjoyed it very much. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Property Management Podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Your feedback makes this a better show, and the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget that you can find us online in the Profitable Property Management Facebook group, where we mastermind with the best in the industry.